If you're a sensitive person, chances are you have used what's known in psychology as dissociation as a way to protect yourself from pain and trauma. And get this, dissociation can become such a habit that you end up doing it your whole life without realizing it. <laughs> and make no mistake, dissociation can destroy your life if you don't know how to heal it. In this video, we're going to go over the spiritual perspective on what dissociation is. You're going to learn also why highly sensitive people are at the highest risk of dissociating. And then I'm going to share a simple three-step process that I use to help clients heal from dissociation today. Coming up. This video is brought to you by the jewelry designer Tikladi. To get your own mala bead necklace like the one I'm wearing in this video, check out the description box where you'll find a 10% discount code. Hello, beautiful soul. This is Christina Lopes, the Heart Alchemist, here to help you open your heart, heal your past, and live with purpose. If you're new to my videos, click on that subscribe button and also on the bell so you get notified as soon as I publish new content. Now, in this week's video, we're gonna go deep on a phenomenon that's known very well in psychology. It's called dissociation. But in this video, we're going to take a broader perspective. You're going to learn the spiritual perspective on what dissociation really is. Because if you don't know this broader perspective, you're never gonna be able to heal from dissociation. I've divided this video in four parts. In part one, we're going to go over what dissociation is, and that's where I bring in the spiritual perspective that's much needed. In part two, we're going to go over why we dissociate, especially why sensitive people dissociate, okay? Then in part three, we're going to cover the top eight signs of dissociation, so you could spot it right away if you're doing this, because you may be dissociating without knowing. And then in part four, I'm going to share with you my simple three-step process that will help you heal from dissociation today. Once you get finished watching this video, let me know in the comments below if you dissociate in your life, if you know you dissociate when you're presented with pain or trauma. Let me know in the comments below. Okay, on to part one, and that is, what is dissociation? Now, before I get into the spiritual broader perspective on what dissociation is, I wanna leave the mainstream psychology definition of it so we're all on the same page, and then we'll go deeper in the spiritual part. So, right now, dissociation is defined as a break in the way your mind handles information, okay? So dissociation is basically a split. It's a fragmentation in the way that you handle information. Now, now I'm gonna start departing from psychology because it, what, what psychology says is that dissociation is a mind phenomenon, okay? So it's a break in the way that your mind processes information. But there's way more going on than that, all right? The dissociation is something that affects not just your mind, it affects all of you. <laughs> so dissociation affects mind, body, and soul, all right? It affects all of your being. And that's where we're gonna go deeper in now so we can get this whole picture going here. I first started talking about dissociation in a series of videos that I did on empaths and highly sensitive people. I'm gonna leave a link to those videos in the description box if you wanna go deeper into that topic of being sensitive and empathic. And so that's when I really started talking about dissociation, but now we're gonna go much deeper in this video. So first I wanna get over the main definition that I use for dissociation, okay? So to me, dissociation is a fragmentation or a split 
in your mind, body, soul levels in response to pain. <laughs> okay. So you dissociate, you see how this is much, much deeper and broader than the psychology definition, because now we're considering not just mind, but body and soul and the fragmentation, the split occurs in all of these levels of your being. And if you don't understand this, this is why you can't heal because you can't just heal dissociation on a mind level. You have to heal it on a body and soul level. All right. So there's the general definition of dissociation in my view. Okay. So on the mental level, uh, that's covered really well in psychology on the mental level. Dissociation is literally a split within your mind. Um, and where you will start burying or repressing certain things that have happened to you in the past. So this could be a split, meaning that you, uh, forget certain memories. You forget certain things that happened to you. You forget, um, you repress emotions, you split from those emotions, but uh, dissociation on a mental level can also mean that you split parts of your sub personality. So one of the most common ones to split in response to trauma, especially if the traumas early on in your life is what's known as the wounded inner child. So that's a sub personality that you that you have your, your inner child is a sub personality that when this inner child is exposed to trauma early on, she very frequently splits and buries herself in your subconscious mind out of access. Okay. So these are some common forms of dissociation on a mental level. It always involves splitting and hiding away certain things, whether in the form of memories or emotions that you just don't are not equipped to deal with at the moment. All right. So that's dissociation on a mental level. Now onto the body level. All right. So this is where things get deeper and more complex. So on a body level, your physical body will actually respond to pain or trauma by blocking or suppressing certain energies within it in response to pain or trauma your physical body will actually do this. And the way that I like to think about it is think about your body as having internal circuit breakers. <laughs> okay. So you have a bunch of internal circuit breakers and when your body feels a surge of energy that is completely outside of the limits of what it's capable of processing at the moment, your body will trip one of its circuits. Okay. So you can literally think of this as the circuit breakers and the circuit boards in your house. Okay. If there's a surge of electricity in your house, your circuit breaker will go off. It'll cut the electricity off before anything explodes in your house. Okay. That's what circuit breakers do when they trip, they turn off the electricity. So nothing bad happens. Your body does exactly the same thing. <laughs> your body does exactly the same thing. When there's a surge of energy, usually very difficult emotional content at a time in your life when you're not ready to process it, usually in childhood. So when that, when there's a surge of that emotional content, your body is not able to process it, that some circuit breakers can go off in your body and it will block or stagnate energy in certain areas. Now, if you want to see a, bit, a better picture of how this works, here's a picture of your meridians. If you've never seen a map of a meridian of meridians before your meridians, that's your, those, those are your circuitries. <laughs> that's your circuit board for your body. Okay. And so this just gives you an image and understanding of, of the electricity of the currents moving through your body. And at any given moment, your body can trip one of its circuits and block any meridian point so that energy stagnates, gets cut off and it's blocked or suppressed in pools in that area. And here's the thing. 
when one or more of the circuit breakers in your body trips and it cuts off energy flow to specific areas of the body, that's essentially what fragmentation, what fragmentation on the body level is. It's when the body stagnates or pools or blocks energy in specific areas in response to surges in emotional content. And with these fragmentations, they can be so difficult for you to spot because they're usually starting when you're a child or when you're young, that's when dissociation starts. We start dissociating when we're small because we're not ready or we're not prepared to deal with the emotional traumas, with all kinds of things that can happen to us. And so right now, think about this right now, you can be in a state of internal fragmentation without even realizing it. You could have a bunch of tripped <laughs> circuit breakers in your body and not even realize it. Now let's go a little deeper than the meridians <laughs> that I just showed you a little while, because this is all part of the circuitry and of the immense complexity of your body. So here's a picture of the chakras. If you haven't seen one yet. And so the chakras are energy centers also in your body. They pull a lot more energy than your meridian points do. And so they also play a crucial role in any kind of trauma or response to trauma or dissociation. They play a crucial role in the phenomenon of dissociation. So what people don't really understand sometimes about chakras, if you look at the picture from the front, as many of us have seen a picture of chakras, it looks like we just have these circles in front of our bodies because <laughs> we're looking at, uh, we're looking at a two dimensional picture. So we're just seeing the circles in front of us, but that's not really what the chakras are like. <laughs> so I'll give you another picture here so you can get a better understanding of what the chakras are. When you turn sideways, you realize that the chakras are actually energy centers that run from the front to the back and the back to the front they go they cross your body in specific levels of your body they cross your body from front to back and they they all touch go through the spinal cord all right so the spinal cord is the super wet the super highway of energy that connects all chakras so that they could talk to each other all right now when we are going through the process of dissociation what happens is that these major energy centers when they they also have circuit breakers and so when you are uh, experiencing major trauma or major pain within different levels of chakras depending on what the trauma is, your circuit breakers of your chakras will do exactly the same thing as the other circuit breakers. They will trip. And when they trip, what ends up happening is you'll be, it's like you're sliced. <laughs> you'll be sliced at the level of whatever chakra was tripped. So a classic example that I could give you that happens to a lot of clients and it also happened to me so that you can understand the, the disconnections. When a circuit breaker of a, a chakra goes off, it disconnects it from communicating with other chakras. And a common example, and the one that happened in my own life too, is of a person who's sexually abused as a child by someone that they love, like a caretaker, a parent, or someone in their family, all right, or someone they cherish. When this happens to a child, there are two major energy centers that are being triggered with this trauma, the heart, because I'm emotionally connected to my abuser and the lower chakras, especially the first and second, because that's where the majority of sexual trauma is housed. So now I have trauma at two levels and they will literally cut themselves off from talking to each other. So I end up spending many, many years and I spent many, many years disconnected from the lower chakras from the heart. So I wasn't able to have this communication system going here. Okay. 
And that's because the circuit breakers in these chakras tripped in response to emotional and sexual trauma that I didn't know how to heal at the moment. Okay. So this is a classic example of how the chakras can also come into play. And when they trip, you can also be sliced, literally fragmented, and they don't talk to the chakras. Don't talk to each other, creating more fragmentation inside your body. Now onto the soul level. So dissociation on the soul level is called fragmentation. What's known as soul fragmentation. This term is borrowed uh, from shamanic culture. Shamanic tradition has really understood soul fragmentation for thousands of years. And so what soul fragmentation, the, the, another image that I want to give of soul fragmentation that really works in helping understand what soul fragmentation actually is, or what dissociation at the level of the soul actually is, Think of your, um, think of your soul as being this big spotlight that's above your head and it's shining light down into your body. Okay. So think of your soul that way, this beautiful spotlight that's shining light into your body. In fact, if your soul didn't do that, your body couldn't exist. All right. So your soul literally animates the body with its radiance, with its light. All right. Now the soul can be shining that spotlight down onto your body at a hundred percent capacity or a hundred percent radiance, or it can dim the light of the spotlight to any percentage that it wants, depending on what's going on in the body. And so what dissociation is on a soul level is when your soul notices that you are incurring big trauma down here on earth and your body is freaking out. You're going through a tremendous amount of issues processing what's happening to you and what the soul does as a protection mechanism to help you survive, the soul will dim its light. And so the, the soul dims the, the intensity of the radiance that it's bringing down to let's say 70% or 60%, whatever the percentage is, I'm just making this up. But as soon as the soul dims the light that it's, that it's projecting onto your body, you feel a general sense of numbness. Okay. This is the most common sign of soul fragmentation is numbness. Now, later on in life, this could be really destructive. And people will say to me, I feel like I'm dead inside. There's a bunch of different, different things that people say to illustrate soul fragmentation. They'll say, I don't even want to be alive anymore. I don't know what I'm doing here. I feel dead inside. I don't feel any joy. I don't feel anything. Okay. So when people generally say this, that's because they're in a state of soul fragmentation and it's because the soul dimmed the radiance, dimmed the percentage of light it was sending down into the body as a response as a way to protect you from trauma, because here's the thing <laughs> when the soul dims the light and I feel numb, that's protective, right? <laughs> at the time that you're going through trauma, especially if it's at a time when you are unprepared to process that kind of pain, when your soul dims the light, that's a blessing because that numbness at least allows you to survive whatever it is you're going through. Okay. Then it turns into your curse. But at the time that the soul dims the light at the time that that's happening, it's a blessing that is keeping you alive. Okay. Onto the second part of the video. And that is why we dissociate. 
So we basically dissociate as a way to protect ourselves from trauma or from pain. And dissociation usually happens at a time. It starts happening at a time when we are completely unprepared for the trauma that we're facing. So dissociation, the habit of dissociating starts very early, usually in our childhood. When we're little, we're immature emotionally, spiritually, and mentally, we're completely immature to be able to process and deal with the pain that we happen to be going through. And so dissociation very commonly starts in childhood in response to pain. It's a protective mechanism. All right. So dissociation really does protect you at a time when you're unprepared to process trauma. Now for sensitive people, this is where the ding ding comes in for sensitive people. Sensitive people are at the highest risk of dissociating because we're already super sensitive. So if we start experiencing pain or trauma early on in childhood, the likelihood that we'll pick on, pick up the habit of dissociating because then it becomes a habit. Once we start doing it, we'll keep doing it again and again and again, and we'll keep dissociating even through throughout our adulthood. All right. So it doesn't just occur when we're children, we create the habit of dissociating as children. But then if we're not aware of it, we just keep dissociating throughout life. And so for sensitive people, they're really at the highest risk of dissociating because we're already super sensitive. So if anything painful happens to us, especially early on in our childhood, especially if we don't have our caretakers or family or the people around us don't know we're empaths or sensitive that can either, that can even exacerbate the problem. And so what ends up happening with sensitive people is that they can start dissociating over smaller things that non-sensitive wouldn't non-sensitives wouldn't dissociate. So I'll give you an example. People think that dissociation, oh, it's, you know, I've been through major trauma. I'll dissociate only if I've been through sexual abuse or emotional or physical abuse, big things like that. But that's not always true with sensitive people because we are so sensitive. We may start dissociating for smaller things. So I've had clients that who have come to me and they say, oh, you know, my childhood wasn't so bad. I don't understand how I would start dissociating. You know, I had a pretty normal childhood. Nothing bad happened to me. And then once we start digging <laughs> a little bit deeper, once we start digging, we find out that that person was actually quite wounded by, for example, a parent being, a, being a really loud and screaming a lot. So a parent that screamed when they were little, that was enough to trigger the dissociation in them. Okay. So you see, that's essentially, that's a smaller thing, right? Being screamed at is a little bit smaller than having sexual abuse, but for the sensitive person, those smaller things can still trigger dissociation because of the sensitivity of their systems. Now onto part number three, and that is the eight signs of dissociation so that you can catch these things right away and figure out if you're dissociating without even knowing. So the first sign of dissociation, I talked about it a little bit when I was talking about soul fragmentation and that is numbness. All right. So when you start to fragment, whether it's mind, body, or soul level, it's usually occurring in multiple levels at the same time. When you dissociate because you're breaking apart, it's like you're fragmenting, you're splitting. You will start to feel numbness because you're not in a state of wholeness. So you're going to feel numbness. So I've had a ton of people come to me and they'll say things like, you know, I don't want to be alive anymore. I'm numb. I just, I just go about my day to day like a robot 
robot. I just keep doing the same things over and over and over again. And that's how I live my life. Um, I don't feel love. I don't feel anything. I don't feel joy. I don't feel happiness. I don't feel anything. <laughs> so these are common statements that people will say when they are in this state of numbness. And this is one of, one of the, the easiest ways for you to spot if you're dissociating. So if you feel numb at all in life, there's the first sign of dissociation. The second sign is difficulty in identifying or feeling emotions. <laughs> All right. Now this one, before you say, Hey, but I'm a super sensitive person. I have no problems feeling emotions before you say that. Cause I used to say that too. I want to give you a little story on how this kind of played out in my own life. So when my life fell apart, I remember I was sitting in my psychotherapist's office and he was a really gifted psychotherapist who had training in other areas. And I remember in our first session, he was scanning my whole body. He was looking at my body, just head to toe. And I was just laying back, reclined on the chair. I was in so much pain. My life had just fallen apart. Everything had fallen apart. And I remember the psychotherapist said, you know, how do you feel? And I said, uh, I'm in pain. I'm in a lot of pain. And then he started looking at my body and he said, uh, you're angry. And I looked at him and I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm just in pain. <laughs> and he said, no, 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 you're angry. And he said something that I'm not going to repeat here because it's pretty private, but he said something to me to provoke me. And I literally sat up on the chair. I could feel the anger coming up from my stomach into my awareness. And it was at that moment that I understood how much I repressed emotions. I didn't even know how to identify them anymore. You see? So I had been disconnecting and dissociating for so many years that I was actually calling an emotion, something, a name called pain when it in fact was anger. <laughs> I didn't know how to identify the emotions. I didn't even know how to identify what I was feeling. All right. And this is really common, really common when you dissociate is that you either have difficulty sitting and feeling your emotions, or you may not even know how to identify them because it's a mishmash of things that you've been fragmenting inside of you that you don't know how to identify them anymore. So there's the second sign. The third sign is very common. It's called memory loss. And so this is when you forget parts of your childhood or you forget parts of your lives when it's associated with the trauma. So I've had a lot of clients who come to me who say, I don't remember my whole childhood. I don't remember my childhood. And so this is really common. Other people come come to me and say, you know, uh, it's like there, there are phases in my life. There are patches of my life that I have completely forgotten. I have no memory of. All right. And so when you have memory loss, this is another sign that you have probably dissociated. You've disconnected from something painful that happened to you. And that's why the memory loss has occurred. The fourth sign is body disconnection. And this one is, this one's very common, but it's easier to spot when you're working one-on-one -on -one with someone. So you have to be very aware of yourself to, to be able to spot this one. So uh, body disconnection, the person will generally be a bit clumsy in their own body. They'll be a bit uncoordinated. I see this a lot when I work with people one-on-one -on, -one on my retreats is I'll try and I'll start working with the person's body. I'll, I'll try to get them to move in certain ways and they just can't do it 
but they're completely uncoordinated. They feel completely awkward in their own body, okay? This is a very, very clear sign of disconnection is when I'm completely awkward and uncomfortable in my own body, all right? And the reason that you're feeling uncomfortable, uncoordinated, and clumsy in your own body is because you frag your body has fragmented in, in so many different places that of course you can't feel coordinated because coordination involves integration of your body. It involves the whole system working in, in together, working in connection. And if you're fragmented, you're not connected. So that's why the clumsy clumsiness. A lot of people feel not just awkward, but they will, they'll feel a little bit uncomfortable when, when I try to work with them and move them in certain areas, they'll start to feel really uncomfortable. And that's, that's a sign that they are disconnected from their bodies. The fifth sign is difficulty in connecting with people. <laughs> and so sometimes people will say to me, no, I don't have difficulty connecting with people. I have friends and I get along okay with my family. And so I don't think that this is an issue with me, but that's when we start to go a little deeper. Okay. So you'll usually, sometimes you can, have, you can be perfectly fine having relationships with your family. You'll have a good circle of friends, but here's where things start to get tricky. It's usually in your closest relationships, like partners or romantic relationships. You'll start to have a little bit more difficulty and here's a sign. Here's a trick that I like using an exercise. Here's a ding, ding exercise, an extra pro tip for you to catch this, for you to catch the difficulty in connecting with people. The, the sign that I use is how you hug, <laughs> how you hug. And guess, guess who was guilty of this one? Me. <laughs> so I know this one really well. And so people who have difficulties connecting with others have difficulty giving proper good hugs. <laughs> and so the person who's, who's dissociated, they'll be the, the little superficial back tapper kind of hug. Have you, <laughs> have you ever seen that kind of hug where someone comes in to hug you and you kind of maintain a distance so your chest doesn't even touch them and then you just tap them on the back? <laughs> That's what I used to do. I used to do that. And I remember my family would be like, God, you give the most ridiculous hug because I would, I would just hug like this, tap, tap, tap. And the reason that you do that when you're dissociated is because if I were to, if I were to bring my chest against someone else's chest and embrace them, that's very, very intimidating because it requires connection. I'm literally connecting my heart to someone else's heart chakra and that requires connection. And if I'm dissociated, I won't know how to do that. That's extremely uncomfortable. So do the heart test, <laughs> do the hug test. Sorry, not the heart test. Do the hug test on yourself. The next time you go to hug someone, pay attention to how you do it. <laughs> if you're a little tap, tap, tap hugger, or if you're a real hugger, good huggers, people that, that have no problem connecting with others, they are amazing huggers. They'll literally bring you into their chest and they'll stay there for a little while. They won't break the hug quickly. They'll stay there for a little while. Those are people that have no problem connecting with others. So do that test with, for yourself before you think, oh, I don't have this sign. I'm perfectly fine. I can connect with others. Do the hug test. Sign number six is no eye contact. <laughs> this one is also really common and you may not have realized this, but this one is common. And the reason that uh, people who dissociate have difficulties connecting eye contact is because eye contact is a very, very intimate thing, right? When I look at someone's eyes, that's very, very intimate. And looking at someone's eyes requires what? 
connection. I connect with them immediately when I look in their eyes. And if I'm dissociated, any type of connection is going to be very, very jarring for me. So guess who else used to do this? And guess who still has to work on this every day? Yours truly. <laughs> so this one was one of the hardest things to break for me. I still to this day have to be very aware when I'm connecting to people that I connect with them and that I don't look away because it's, it's such a temptation to when I'm talking to someone, if it gets really intense, I'll look away. <laughs> and this is a huge habit. This is a huge issue for people with dissociation. They look away very frequently when they're talking to someone. It's like they're talking to them, but then they're looking over there. They're talking to that person right here, but they're, they're looking over there. This is very, very common. And it, the reason that it is is because I, looking at someone requires connection. And when you're dissociated, you're not ready for that. Sign number seven is called extremes of body discomfort. <laughs> now let me go into this one a little bit more deeply. What I mean by this is that uh, people who dissociate very commonly operate on two extremes involving body discomfort. All right, two extremes. The first extreme is the person can be very, very sensitive and try to run away from any type of physical discomfort. I used to do this. So whenever I was pro trying to process pain, whenever my body started to feel slightly uncomfortable, I would start to get into panic mode. I hated to feel uncomfortable, my body feeling uncomfortable. So any type of physical discomfort or pain, I'd start to panic and I'd be like, get, get me the hell out of here. <laughs> and, and I remember doing this when I was going through uh, body work um, and uh, uh, modalities to kind of help me integrate uh, the pain. I remember doing this. I had to work really hard to not run away from the physical discomfort to actually let go into it and through it. Okay. So being very sensitive to body discomfort, going into a state of fear or panic, if your body starts to feel pain, this is one of the extremes um, of body discomfort. And people who dissociate very frequently will start to panic when their body starts to feel any type of pain or discomfort. All right. So that's one extreme. The other extreme is completely the opposite. So this is when people actually use body discomfort as a way to kind of connecting themselves again. So I'll give you an example. These are people who, um, for example, uh, do self harm. So I've had clients who cut themselves, for example, as a way to cope with the pain. So they self harm. Um, other people will go into extremes of body discomfort where, where they'll, they'll exercise too much until their body is just beaten and beaten and beaten. So these are over exercisers. These are people that engage sometimes in, in ultra sports and they, but they don't do it from happiness. They do it because they want to beat their bodies and beat them, beat them. And so you see, so the self harmers, the over exercisers, the people that push their bodies until their bodies are just in so much excruciating pain, but they just keep doing it over and over again. This is also a sign of dissociation and what these people are doing when a person, what a person does when they cut themselves, when they self harm or when they work, they work out excessively until their body is in so much pain. What, what these people are doing is they are temporarily that, that discomfort that pain that they are putting their bodies through, it at least allows them to feel 
connected for a little bit. So I've had clients say to me, I say, well, you know, why did you cut yourself? And they'll say to me, because when I cut myself, at least I felt something. You see, they were trying to connect with their bodies because their bodies was, were so numb from the extreme disconnection. Okay. So this is another extreme that's very common also with people that dissociate. So you either push your body into extreme pain and you never, never stop, or you'll run away or try to run away or get panicked. If you feel the slightest discomfort in your body, these are the two extremes that are very common with dissociation. Sign number eight is a lack of self-awareness. <laughs> now I'm laughing because guess who, <laughs> guess who does this one? Guess who's always had this issue. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> That's me too. <laughs> so these issues I've had to work with uh, within myself. So when people are disconnected, what's really interesting is that many of them lack self-awareness. Now it seems pretty easy to understand why, right? If I'm internally fragmented and I've got parts of myself over here and over there that I don't want to look at and over here, if I'm internally fragmented, then my state of self-awareness is going to be limited because there are things in me that I can't see. And what's funny about this. And, and you know, I laugh because I just, I just love to laugh at myself and you know, the predicaments of human beings very frequently, these people will also be very good at spotting issues in others. <laughs> so to use me as an example, you know, I'm a great coach, you know, I can spot things from a mile away in others, <laughs> but then when I turn inward, it's harder for me and has been harder for me, especially when I was in a state of dissociation before I healed. All right. And so, and still to, but still to this day, my ability to be able to spot things in others and help others is way higher than my ability to go within and see things in myself. So sometimes I need the mirrors of other people. I need to seek other coaches. I need to seek helpers so that they can mirror back the things that I need to see because I can't see them by myself sitting in meditation. It's still a little bit hard for me sometimes, not always but for some things it is. And so a lack of self-awareness is very common. So if you find yourself being very good at telling other people what to do, being very good at spotting other people's issues, but then you struggle with a bunch of things in your own life and things don't go well in your own life and you have no idea what's going on. It's because you lack self-awareness. This is very normal for people that dissociate. You have less self-awareness because you're in a state of internal fragmentation. So this is normal. Don't be, don't judge yourself. <laughs> now to part number four, and that is how to heal dissociation. So I'm going to make this as simple as possible for you. Uh, I'm going to share with you my three-step process uh, for healing dissociation. There's an acronym associated with this to make it easier for you. So the acronym is FMI. It's feeling, move, and integrate. Okay. So feel, move, and integrate. That, those are the three letters of the acronym FMI. And I'm going to go through each of these three steps so that you can understand how to use them in your life and heal from this dissociation once and for all. Okay. So step number one is feel. All right. And the reason that this is step number one is because this is crucial. You cannot heal what you don't feel. All right. So keep that, keep that in your mind. You can't heal what you don't feel. And this is a crucial, crucial first step because until you start to allow yourself to go into the feeling of the emotional content that's been blocked, you're not going to be able to heal it. Now I want to leave a side note here before I get into this. I want to leave a side note because this is discussed a lot, especially within psychology. So I want to leave a side note here and the side note 
is about the phenomenon that sometimes psychologists call the re-traumatization. All right. The reason that I'm putting this in air quotes is because I really disagree with a lot of what is talked about in terms of re-traumatization. So generally what people say, there's this mainstream understanding that uh, there's a risk that when people start to heal and they start to have access to those memories and those feelings and whatever, then they can actually re-traumatize themselves by, by remembering things that happened to them. I completely disagree with that. So I wanted to leave this side note here also to reassure you if you have this fear. Re-traumatization to me doesn't really exist in the sense that I think re-traumatization could only really happen if you forced someone to try and heal what they are not prepared to heal. Okay. So if you force someone to try and access certain things without them being prepared or without them being in a state of awareness, then, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll give it to you. That might be possible. But if you're watching this video, that's not you. And if you followed my channel, that's not you. And if you're out there seeking guidance to heal what needs to be healed, that's not you, right? So the moment that you have enough awareness to say, wow, there's something within me that I really need to address. You know, my life is showing me that there are things in me that I need to address. I am ready. I'm going to go out and find help, whether it's on YouTube videos or whether it's with other coaches. The moment that you step into the awareness that I need to understand and heal what's going on with me, you're already prepared to heal this. And if you're prepared to heal this, you will not be re-traumatized. All right. So I wanted to leave this side note here. You are completely, if you resonate with my teachings, you are completely ready to heal because that's essentially all I talk about really is healing in various facets. So you're not going to be re-traumatized. All right. So I wanted to leave that side note here before I continue with the feeling step. So sometimes people say to me, yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready to feel whatever needs to be felt, you know, but I can't access, I can't access that stuff. And it's usually because when people decide that they want to heal, then they start to try and kind of force the feeling to come up. And that's not generally what works best. Okay. So what works best in this step is to really let life and your soul help you in the healing process. And, and this will happen in really miraculous ways. One of which is my favorite, and that is you will be exposed to triggers. <laughs> so triggers will start to happen. And this is when something happens in your life and it triggers something in you. And you have this extreme emotional reaction to whatever's happening on the outside. That's a trigger. And when you are going through healing, it is essential that you learn to work with triggers because triggers are your medicine triggers. It's your soul and the universe orchestrating something to poke a wound so that you can finally see it, open the energy and go into the wound. All right. So when I talk to people all the time and I try to help them heal, I say, you don't need to force anything. Just pay attention to the things that are triggering you in your life and then you'll find out what you need to feel into. And so usually what's going to happen, you'll be triggered. You know, maybe you could be at work and one of your coworkers says something and it's something that's completely innocuous. It doesn't, it, it, it's just something small, but you boom, you're triggered and you just go into these states of emotional extremes. That's when you can know with 100% certainty that a trigger has touched one of your core wounds. And it's at that moment that you need to start working with it. Okay. So don't repress it. Don't push it away. When you're triggered, do not repress the emotion. Don't dissociate again. <laughs> Cause that's what we're trying to, to, you know, turn back. So when you work with triggers, that's a great way for you to start this feeling process because you are literally going to use tri the triggers of life 
to feel Oh, what am I feeling right now? Wow, I'm feeling, I'm feeling pissed off. I'm angry. Instead of repressing it, I'm going to go sit with it and I'm going to start my feeling work. And that is I'm just going to breathe. I'm going to feel, I'm going to allow the emotion to come up. I'm going to allow it to circulate. I'm going to allow myself to feel it. I'm going to become friends with it. And if I need to use, if the feelings are intense and I need to use breathing, I'm going to use deep breathing so that I could breathe in and out through the feelings. And here's something that I really like to add um, in this feeling step. I love to add self-soothing mantras because they may be necessary, especially if the feelings that are coming up are really intense. Because what's going to happen is your ego is going to trip and it's going to say, well, mayday, mayday, you know, no, I don't like this. <laughs> and so the self-soothing mantras were really, really helpful for me in getting through uh, the feelings uh, step because you have to get used to this. Your, your, your whole system is going to want to dissociate because it's been dissociating for so many years. So now you have to practice the other way around. All right. And so this may take some time. So soothing mantras were really miraculous and I still use them today. So when you start to feel the uncomfortable stuff, you can start to add mantras like everything is okay. I need to feel this. This is good for me. You see, and you could just keep adding different mantras, but do you see as soon as I say these mantras, how it calms the system, everything is okay. I need to feel this. Emotions are my friends, <laughs> whatever. You could come up with whatever mantras you want. The more that you self soothe, the more your system will allow you to go into these feelings. They'll start to circulate because the more in the state of surrender and acceptance you are, the more the energy circulates. And once it starts circulating, that's when it's ready to really heal. Step number two is move. <laughs> so what step number two does, it's a continuation of the first step. In the first step, I'm just getting to getting comfortable with the emotions, getting comfortable with the feelings, letting things circulate. If memories come up from the past that I was repressing, I let those memories circulate. Everything's fine. I'm just in the first step. I'm just feeling and letting things circulate. In the second uh, step, I'm going to go deeper into this because now what I have to do is just like we've already talked about uh, in the beginning of the video where we were talking about how your body houses everything that happens to you and how all these circuit breakers can go off in response to trauma. Well, now you have to go back into your body and reconnect all of the disconnection in energy and all of the, the stagnation and the blocks and all, all of that that occurred uh, from uh, because because of all the, the circuit trip tripping from the breakers that happened during trauma. And so that's where moving is crucial. All right. You have to come into your body and move it. A lot of body work is necessary. All right. Now there are different ways to do this step. I'm going to give you some recommendations on how to do this, but you've got to not just move your body, but you've got to move the energy and moving the energy is easier when you move the body. So I'll give you some recommendations on things to do in this step. So the first one is one that I used a lot and it was a miracle in my life and it's called bioenergetics and it's uh, bioenergetics is a technique developed by Dr. Alexander Lowen. And so look, look up uh, bioenergetics and Alexander Lowen. Look that up. What bioenergetics is, is it's a technique that uses deep breathing with body, certain body postures. 
And so a, a bioenergetics therapist will get you to move in certain ways combined with breathing to literally unblock the blockages that you have in your body. This is really, really powerful work. I cannot recommend it more highly. This is really powerful work. That's why I put it as, as uh, the first one. So find yourself a bioenergetics therapist around you that could do this work with you and you'll start to feel total, total difference. This is intense work. But again, if you're watching this video, you're ready for it. The second one is uh, breath work. And that's also really powerful. Anytime I'm doing deep breathing, so breath work gets me into the body. The deeper the breath work, the more that I start to move energy within me. So breath work is very, very, very important in this step. You can, you can use, you know, all kinds of different types of breath work from pranayama in yoga to uh, breath work, like a holotropic breathing that I love very much. So look up holotropic breathing, but there are other breath work techniques that could also give you the same results. So just look up breath work practitioners in your area and see what comes up. But holotropic is one of my favorites. So you can look that one up and, and that'll help you too. The third one is uh, freeform dancing. So dancing has been crucial, continues to be crucial in my life. And freeform dancing is beautiful. It's very different from like a Zumba class or something like that because the Zumba class is choreographed. Freeform dancing, you are literally just letting your body do what it wants to do. So my favorite freeform dancing uh, modalities are uh, five rhythms and ecstatic dance. So look up a five rhythms class or an ecstatic dance class in your area and get to a dance class. Just get there, move in your body, moving, moving, moving. That's going to help circulate the energy and help you heal more quickly. Another one that I love to use is tapping or vibration. Okay. So that'll also dislodge energy. That'll also get things to move in your body. And so you can either use tapping routines. So look up tapping routines, you know, like I'm tapping right now on my sternum. There are different points that you could do tapping routines on the face. You know, there are a bunch of different tapping routines. You can use that, or you can get yourself a massager and you can literally handheld massager and you could, you could turn it on, on specific areas of your body. And that vibration of the massager is going to relax certain areas. Okay. So if that might be something you want to get. And sometimes people say to me, well, what parts of my body will I know to put the massager on? <laughs> you will know because your body has been telling you where the blockage is from various aches and pains or ailments that you may have. So if you have low back issues that you've had for years, there's a place to put your massager on because your body has been saying blocked, blocked, blocked <laughs> for a really long time. Okay. So follow your body's aches and pains to know where the stagnation is. Your body will show you where the problem is and then just start tapping or use a massager in that area combined with breathing. And that's, that'll help you a lot too. Another modality that, that really helps is yoga. So I'm not too much into yoga. I don't really do yoga, but I've had a ton of clients that love it and that work really well. So even though it's not something for me, it may be something for you. So yoga is specialized in actually moving energy. The various yoga poses help the body kind of integrate and move energy. So yoga may be something for you. Another one is acupuncture. So acupuncture works because just like that meridian picture I showed, I showed you in the beginning of the video, acupuncture 
acupuncture actually works. The needles work on specific meridian points. So it's a great way to get circulation reestablished in your meridian system by doing these acupuncture sessions. It'll really help the body reset and get the energy flowing in proper directions, no more blocking. So that's another great way to move energy. And the last one is one of the most intense, but I had to leave it here because it's worth it. And it's called eye gazing. All right. So you can actually go to a class where eye gazing is incorporated. I can think of, for example, Tantra. Tantra is probably uh, the, the, the tradition in the world that uses eye gazing the most. So you can go find yourself a Tantra workshop or a Tantra class and where eye gazing is, is, uh, you use eye gazing in the class. And basically what that is, is you're just sitting in front of a person and you're looking at them in their eyes and you can't break eye contact for, I don't know how many minutes. <laughs> this is really intimidating and it could be very uncomfortable initially, especially for those of us that dissociate but it is such beautiful, beautiful medicine. If you can't find a class that includes eye gazing anywhere around you, then start to just become more aware of your habit of pulling your eyes away <laughs> and, and start to practice on people in your everyday life. So if you're at work and you're talking to a coworker, be very aware and look at them in the eyes. Do not break eye contact. <laughs> if you're talking to your family, the same thing. If you're talking to your friends, the same thing. And then you can even go deeper. You can get yourself a handheld mirror, sit in your meditation place, put the handheld mirror right in front of your face and eye gaze towards yourself. <laughs> this is another great exercise. Okay. So eye gazing in whatever capacity you use is really important because the longer that I can sustain eye contact, the more I come into myself, the more I connect, the more I move energy. And that is going to be another modality that's going to get, that's going to really accelerate me towards healing this dissociation once and for all. Okay. The last step is integrate. <laughs> and this one is basically, I put it at the left. This one's the easiest really of the three steps. And it almost happens without you even doing anything. It's just a natural consequence of you working on step one and step two. All right. But there are a couple of things that you could add here to kind of help uh, in the integration. So integrate just basically means that I'm now coming into a full state of wholeness, no more fragmentation, no more dissociation. I'm bringing everything into me. Okay. I'm integrating everything. Now the key to integration, the key to this step is ding, ding, <laughs> my favorite chakra, the heart. Okay. The heart is the key to this step. Everything comes into the heart and is embraced by the heart. And so what happens here is you just bring everything close to your heart. You basically, you learn how to accept and how to love all parts of you, all of the parts that have been fragmented, all of the bad things that happened to you, all of the good things that happened to you. You just embrace everything and you accept everything. That's what integration means. You come into a state of wholeness. Finally. Now, one thing that I really love to use in this step of integration is I love to use intention prayers. And you can write your own intention prayers about integration, but I'm going to leave one with you. If you want to write this down, get yourself a little notebook, maybe pause the video and, and get yourself a notebook. So you could write this prayer down. I'm going to share it with you. You could use this prayer or you can make your own up. Okay. So here is the prayer. So the prayer is loving creator. I fully accept and love myself as you love me. Blessed is the broken road that got me to where I am today. 
I become one with all the ecstasy and all the pain, so that I may walk upon this earth in my full divine power, healed, integrated, whole. It is done. So I love this integration prayer. You can use this one or you can use a different one, any one that you want to come up with. But basically what this integration, what, what this last step is, is just, just holding everything in love, holding everything in love. So holding all the painful things that have happened to you in love, holding all the happy things that have happened to you in love, holding everything in loved. Blessed is the broken road that's gotten you here. Okay. So this is the last step. It's the easiest step. It's the lightest step because you've already done the really heavy work in the first and from the first and second. So this is going to be the easy step this is going to be easier for you to, for you to breeze through. And then you will finally be just be healed from these issues of dissociation. You won't dissociate again. You're going to learn how to heal trauma and pain right on the spot as it's happening. You won't have the tendency to split yourself when painful things happen because you're going to be in a totally new different, uh, totally new and different level of awareness. Now I want to hear from you. Do you dissociate when you experience pain or trauma in your life? Let me know in the comments below. Click here to subscribe to my YouTube channel or head over to my website and take the heart quiz to figure out if your heart's blocked. And don't forget this playlist for sensitive people so you could find out how to navigate this harsh world as a sensitive. All right, beautiful soul, I am out.